have uh, with us uh, founder of Vibe, Ty Malone, as well as uh, Miss Penelope, Penelope Hamilton, excuse me, um, the executive director of Western New York uh, Normal and uh, director of community engagements for the cannabis community uh, here in Western New York. And uh, so going to get into some different things and uh, really uh, looking forward to the conversation tonight. Uh, want to encourage you, those of you that are just kind of tuning into the podcast for the first time, uh, you can always catch us on Facebook. We keep the lives up so you can go through and, and catch up with them in case you miss them when they happen. But you can also catch us on multiple listening platforms. Uh, you can go to www.drgaryharveyjr.com and you can pretty much find us on any listening platform on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, Google, um, Anchor. I mean, you name it, you can find us. We're just, a, you know, you can just search one of those platforms. We'll be on there. But we definitely appreciate your guys' support. And, um, you know, as we are coming off of Juneteenth, uh, I, I want to encourage everyone to not treat it like it was just a day and then move on with life. Um, you know, if you are truly trying to make a difference, it's something that's got to be a continued effort. And, uh, you know, it was fantastic. We made it a federal holiday, like we said before. But uh, at the same time, there's still a whole lot of work to do. Uh, earlier, um, you know, I don't know if anyone saw the news, but, uh, you know, a uh, voter's right bill essentially was blocked. Um, you know, so definitely uh, be engaged with your, uh, your legislators and, um, you know, get on the phone with them, send them the emails, let them know you want them to step up to the plate and actually do what they were elected to do. And, um, you know, we got a long road ahead. I say it, I've said it before, and I'll continue to say it. It's not a trip to the corner store. If we really want to make this thing happen, it's a road trip. And, uh, you know, we're going all the way. Just because we stop for some snacks don't mean it's time to get out the car. So um, we're going to keep rolling with that. But we're going to hop into tonight's episode. Um, you know, as always, you know, mirrors have three purposes. To show you who you were, show you who you are, and help you become who you want to be. So we're going to take a look at the reflection, face the man in the mirror tonight, and see if we can't become better than what it is that we started. And with that being said, Miss Penelope, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Um, definitely glad to have you here. Ty, thank you for joining us as well. Um, and uh, as, as we go through... Uh, just, you know, a handful of questions, and then, you know, I'm sure we'll get some engagement as well. But, um, you know, if you don't mind, uh, Ms. Hamilton, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your background, what it is that you do, and uh, we can kind of go from there. Sure. Thank you for inviting me on. Um, well, I, you know, I became a patient, and that is what started my journey with cannabis um, and advocacy. And I've always been that type of person who's... Um, been passionate when I am passionate about a cause I get involved um, since a child you know to, to be perfectly honest so that that's always been uh, a part of me but as a patient I found out that uh, you know cannabis could change lives so dramatically that I got involved and started speaking and advocating for the plant and legalization I think it was around 2016, I was able to get off over 16 years of uh, prescribed opiates and benzodiazepines eventually. I've never been, had to take them again. Um, and I was in a wheelchair and using a walker at, at, at different points and pretty much bedridden. And this, this plant really saved my life. And then when I found out that certain people were still being persecuted, arrested for the same medicine uh, that I could use and obtain, and then I found out I couldn't even afford to obtain it. I was forced into, you know, a legacy market, a gray area, um, and that this plant that was healing me, 
you know, my medicine was actually illegal in the forms that I needed, um, or not even affordable, that's it. So, you know, that, that really started me on my journey, and have been fighting for it ever since, so. Well, thank you so much. I mean, that's, uh, I don't know. I guess that was uh, a little, uh, little more uh, intense as far as uh, the reason to get behind it. A lot of people, uh, when they get behind something, they, they believe in it. They, you know, see how it, you, you know, helps people. But the fact that you have that firsthand experience on multiple levels, not just the, the medical aspect of it, but the difficulty in trying to get to it, and you know that type of thing. That's uh, definitely, definitely says a lot. And uh, you know, can see that it's more than just a check in the box for you. Uh, so that's 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 outstanding. Um, Ty, before we keep going, uh, you want to introduce yourself, talk a little bit about Vibe, and uh, uh, then we will uh, continue to move forward. Ty Malone. Um, I'm founder of Vibe, Voices of Black Empowerment. Uh, we're a nonprofit organization, the 501c4, to empower the black community and minorities in our, in, you know, in our communities. And uh, we do that through education, advocacy, uh, community outreach. Um, we are trying to get involved in the marijuana legislation as far as New York goes. Um, as much as possible, we believe that um, not only could it change the lives of a lot of minorities, but it can also change the, our area, our community. Um, you know, as you know, we're about to lose 500 jobs from Siemens when they close down. I believe that that the marijuana industry could take care of those jobs and replace them without a without without, without a second thought. Um, We've ran some numbers on uh, different things out here. It's kind of hard because of the not knowing the pricing and stuff, but there's programs that I'm going to try to implement, and that's why I would like to try to get everybody as well educated on it as possible. Um, we're going to be talking to the city shortly here about making sure that they opt in. Um, it's very important that uh, we, we choose to opt into this because if we don't, then our, our, our county will still make money, but only in will not see any of that money. Your your county cannot opt out, but your city can opt out if they choose not to. So it's very important that we educate not only the community, but you know our city council and mayor and everybody on everything. So I just think that the marijuana industry could change lives um, in so many different ways, mm -hmm. and I just want to make sure that we don't miss out on it, and that everybody is, is educated as they can be on it. Most definitely. Well, thank you for joining us tonight as well. Definitely appreciate it. Um, you know, with with that being said, Miss Hamilton, what what is normal? What is what what, what what's the organization do? Uh, normal is the national organization for the reform of marijuana laws. And so we're involved with consumer safety, you know, and then also just reforming these laws and getting this plant decriminalized and uh, seeing what we can do. So Empire State Normal is our state organization. Then we have some small chapters across the state, and it's a national nonprofit organization as well. Okay. And then uh, the other organization that you, uh, you chair is the engagements for our community engagements for the cannabis community. So yeah, we're uh, actually a, a full media company and a community that is built of consumers and began as patients. Uh, started in Illinois and Chicago and has gone out into 
different states and we have uh, just community members that we support, we do advocacy, we're all involved, we're a small uh, team that's really grown in the beginning and I'm proud to work with some people that were very instrumental in getting uh, legalization and medical bills passed in Illinois. So I've had some great, great mentors. <laughs> awesome. That's exciting to hear. So what are some of the, the common myths behind the legalization of marijuana? Because one thing I know as far as campaigning myself and, and pursuing the office of the mayor here locally is being as passionate about being able to help the community. Uh, but when you have individuals that have a tendency to be set in a mindset or are only educated on one spectrum of or one side of the fence as far as information goes or even a more just in general a conservative area like you know you can look back over years and look back and and the campaigns that were against marijuana and all the things that they claimed it would do to you uh, you know that if you you know it's such a gateway drug and this that and the other but what are some common myths that are around the legalization of marijuana and that legislation oh wow um there's a lot out there um probably that everybody is just going to run out um and everybody's going to be using this new, uh, you know, opportunity. I think what we need to understand and put in perspective is marijuana, cannabis, whatever you know it as, it has been there. Mm -hmm. This is not something new. And we need to stop the fear mongering, mm -hmm. you know, to be perfectly honest. It's, um, it, it's been there for thousands of years. It's been used by cultures and it's in our neighborhoods as well. Mm -hmm. So this isn't something brand new. Um, Safety-wise, yes, yeah, some people may now feel comfortable enough to be able to try this. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I think uh, a lot of people also believe that the, the legalization was just so that everybody could have access. Again, you, we've got access. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It, it's already there. Right. It, it's already, we have a, a wonderful legacy market already built in New York State. That's, <laughs> you know, we, we have it untaxed right now and unregulated. Mm -hmm. And that's what legalization can bring to us is safety, consumer safety, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that, that regulization, the tax revenue so that we can reinvest. Oh, see, I'm already getting uh, getting all excited on, on what legalization can do, um, getting off topic. <laughs> so, um, Ty, go ahead and add in there. I'm sure you've got a lot of myths that you've heard. Um, I think the biggest one is like she was saying, the access. Um, a lot of people think like now kids would be able to get it and it's actually regulated more so that kids can't do that. You know, mm -hmm. um, your kid can go down the street and knock on the door and grab it, but he's not going to go to the store and get it. You know what I mean? So like, um, I think that, I think the driving thing, you know, people think that it's going to cause so many accidents and I would I would just say you know look at look at alcohol alcohol is mm -hmm. going to cause way more accidents than marijuana I don't really find too many people that are getting uh, stoned or whatever you like to call it and talking about like I'm going to go drive across the country or whatever it may right. be you know what I mean um, I just don't I think that people need to just like relax on it you know mm -hmm. just, just use some common sense and and just don't don't play into that fear. Mm -hmm. um, 
it, it's really there's really no different. Uh, there's, you have people smoking cigarettes, drinking alcohol, you know, doing all kinds of things. There's really no difference. Right. I believe um, that you know a lot of people think that um, the money aspect of it that um, people. You know they're, how they're going to be giving a certain amount. A certain amount of that tax revenue is supposed to be going to um, minorities. I think that people have a misconception of that. I think that um, you know pe- that's why I think that education is so much is the most important thing. Right. If people can understand the legislation behind it, the different um, avenues that people are going to be able to do different things with this. You know, people aren't even thinking about like. Uh, infused restaurants and all kinds of different right. things. They're, they're, it's, the limitation on this is just, it, you know, we can't even think about it because we don't know yet. We, mm-hmm. we, we don't know what we can do. And I just think that people need to relax and, like I said, use some common sense. Well, you know, I think kind of to piggyback off of that, you mentioned, uh, you know, the kids and, 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 and Ms. Hamilton mentioning, you know, everybody having access and that seemed to be the thought process. I mean, in all honesty, growing up, if I chose to smoke or drink, you know, as, as a high school student, it, it's not like it was complicated for me to get this, you know, to, to get these items, you know, by any stretch. Um, you know, our kids have access in some of our communities, unfortunately, to much harder, much worse substances than, than marijuana, um, you know, as far as that's concerned. And yet we tend to, in a lot of our communities, especially small communities like, you know, Ty and myself are in, um, tend to focus on marijuana like it's this big green demon and, and we just we got to chase it we got to go after it we got to and we spend time money effort going after these things because it's a little easier to snatch somebody for one of those you know it, you know in reference for marijuana use and then it is to really go after the root cause of some of these other problems that are that are going on um, you know in reference to substance abuse I mean we have legal substances that are abused on a level that uh, you know, I mean, honestly, every day, I mean, you look at just basic nutrition. Uh, you know, we, we abuse things that are legal and, and supposedly okay for us to have as a people that actually do a lot of harm physically to us. And, um, you know, we have an opportunity here. And I, I guess rolling into the next question, um, you know, some of the, uh, the impact on things uh, such as like the like health and the overall economy um, that has happened because of the current regulation of marijuana. I know uh, several individuals that, from a medical standpoint, they would be in a much better position. But simply because it's labeled illegal, they stay away from it. Um, they you know won't they they won't approach it or or they have to take avenues where now I'm risking you know, essentially a criminal record because I'm trying to take care of my health, you know, type of thing with the way that it's current, currently set up. So what are, what, are you, what are your guys' thoughts on that as far as how the current regulation has affected overall health and, and even the economy? Well, it's past legislation, right? Well, that, that's, that's what I mean. That's, yeah, that's what I mean. Prior to the way it has previously been regulated and, and legislated. So sure, people were afraid to use that. It was a last resort only. That's what happened to me. It was a last resort. I wasn't going to get near that. I never used it, and I really don't use it recreationally. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was in my 40s when I finally did, you know, try this as a last resort after I was already, you know, uh, very, very ill from being on the opiates for that many years. Mm-hmm. So, 
so many people in that same situation get so sick and ill but won't touch it because of that stigma mm-hmm. um, you know and that the old gateway drug uh, theory too right. we, you know, we've just proven that so it, it, it's time to get over it people let's move on mm-hmm. you know we are educated now and let us continue to educate Definitely. I think that, um, I mean, I can see a lot of positives behind it. I know people personally uh, that can benefit, um, you know, as a veteran myself, and we'll go into that a little later, but there's there's areas I could see it being beneficial in my own life and my own medical situation um, and have already started having those conversations with some of my doctors. Uh, but again, I'm also the, I think oftentimes we get caught up with what has been taught as dogmatic tradition i call it um especially within the realm of like the the church or our small conservative communities or uh, you know communities that don't have a lot of experience except for what they're fed on the news or fed through social media and uh, you know that type of thing but i know we've already kind of hinted at some of the positives but i mean what are some more positives you know behind it i mean a little more specifically how from an economic standpoint how can a community like olean benefit uh, from really getting on board as opposed to taking this hardline, uneducated, fear-mongering approach of, no, we don't want it here. Um, in my mind, it drops crime. Um, it allows us to focus on other areas that are more important as far as our law enforcement is concerned instead of me, you know, hemming people up just because they, you know, a little bit of weed. Um, you know, I can focus on more important things from that aspect, filter money in a different way. From a financial standpoint, we talked about the various jobs. But uh, if, if you could talk about some of that as well and, and help us understand that, um, it would be beneficial, I think. That's your neighborhood, so I'll let you take a lot of that time. But, you know, 40% of this revenue, if you were to allow this in your community, is going to go right back into community reinvestment which, you know, is something we have to hold the state to so that we can see how that's going to look and really help the community. Um, you know, and you already touched on, you know, that under age, under 21, they're going to be ID'd now. Mm. So that's a great protection. You opt out, you're losing that. You're actually forcing people, you know, into, into an area we don't want to have and then consumer safety with regulation. But, you know, Ty, that's your neighborhood. How is that directly going to affect, you know, positively Olean? Well, uh, as you know, Gary, uh, Olean has been on a steady decline of uh, mm-hmm. population and jobs. Yep. Like I said, we're going to about to lose 500 jobs here next year. We could easily replace them. Mm-hmm. There's growing facilities we can have there, and then it goes on to production where you can break it down into concentrates. There's, uh, and we don't even, we don't, there's, there's enough businesses inside the marijuana industry that if we wouldn't even have to have a distributor, uh, dis, uh, dis, uh, dispensary, a dispensary, if we didn't want to, you could still make those jobs up and bring enough revenue in for the county, but you, but, you, but you're going to want that, you know, mm-hmm. um, otherwise you think about where we're at and everybody's going to be running through only in to go to Buffalo or Erie County right. and taking that revenue. So we'll have millions of dollars running through here just to go pass through and drop off in Erie County. That's the last thing that we want. If last night when we were at the city council meeting, they were saying that the surrounding areas look at us as the big city. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if we're their big city, that's where they need to come. 
Yeah. That's where they need to focus on. And like I said, we're trying to rebrand only here. I'm not saying that we need to rebrand it into a, a, a cannabis town or anything like that, but if that can turn our revenue around and turn around our, our county, then I think that needs to be part of the equation. I think that we need to be talking about that. And like she said, when you opt out, you're opting out of all those regulations. Mm-hmm. And then then that's when, that's when you become what they say now. We have a wild, wild west going on. Anybody can do anything. Exactly. If you don't opt in, that's what you're going to have. You know, and I've noticed in, in various places that, that um, I'm familiar with, um, you know, when the dispensary essentially is there, the thought, pro- oh, crime's going to go up, there's going to be all this, because there's this negative stigma that has been perpetrated about individuals. And I've had this conversation with some people before. Uh, a lot of times when you hear people stand up and speak it, just in your, in your neighborhood or in your circle of friends, um, in favor of the legalization of marijuana, it's generally uh, an individual that, that tends to fit the stereotype or the negative stereotype. And so a lot of people are like, well, if that's, if that's who's supporting it, I don't want to have anything to do with it. But the fact of the matter is, you, I mean, you have college professors that that's how they, they deal with stress and anxiety and, and, you know, that type of thing and other, other professions, various professions. And, you know, we, we create this again we operate under the mindset of this dogmatic tradition that that comes through whether it's you know a conservative family or just uneducated or poor information or uh, you know even our our faith backgrounds and and these types of things and so we approach it based on word of mouth and what we see on facebook as opposed to what's actually happening but from my understanding and what i've seen personally crime rates actually decrease because you know people aren't getting hemmed up for small pointless things first of all and then, you know, secondly, they don't have to go that, that, you know, as we said, that legacy route in order to obtain it. And, and it's safer, you know, because of the regulations behind it. And I, I think that, like you both are saying, there's a lot to that. And in this community, you know, it's, it's a huge opportunity. It's a huge opportunity for a creation of jobs. And not just that, but um, like Ty had said earlier, looking at those the um, restaurants that have the infusion or you know the different you know different uh, stores and, and things that take place and the dispensary itself and growing and all these different avenues that can benefit this community and I don't think by opting in we create a a weed mecca uh, so to speak you know um, or, or a focal point for the city I think we capitalize on the fact that we're moving in the future and we can either we can either move to the future progressively like Olean claims it has been doing for the last eight years as it has a negative decline over the last eight years but somehow we keep saying that we're moving in this great direction and yet due to bad politics and and terrible foresight and and agendas we're about to lose 500 jobs and we're as a city reacting as opposed to being proactive like we should be and we have an opportunity here to be proactive and yet we have to combat that bad mindset or that traditional way of thinking that's been ingrained in us. Um, and usually it's individuals, in my opinion, that don't have any experience with it at all. You know, that right. have, never, have never seen or experienced people um, that use it for medicinal purposes or even recreationally. They still think it's this massive gateway drug or they're going to go hop in the car and take off. And, you know, most experience that I've had coming up in my life, that's like Ty said, that's not the case. People aren't, aren't using it and then going, hey, let's go to the store. Uh, you know, that's, that's usually not the thought in my, my experience. 
Um, but, um, you know, I, I think there are definitely some, some positives there that, that we need to capitalize on. And like you said, Ty, you're right. If we, if we opt out, then we watch the money go. And here we are talking about let's, let's, let's make Olean better. Well, if you continue to hang on to the past and you won't let go of anything from the past, you can't grab your future. Your hands are full. And we will. We'll watch that money filter everywhere else and be in the same situation that we're in. And we'll watch these other communities become the city as we become that small town that nobody wants to be at. Correct. Because you know. there's multiple municipalities that's going to be opting out of it mm -hmm. around us. And we don't want to be that guy. We want to be the right. one that says yes so that all of them people come here instead of taking that money to Erie County or Jamestown. Jamestown is going to try to they're gonna to try to be the biggest people in New York State. Mm -hmm. So like, <laughs> we got we're, that's our next door. We, we that's kind of like you know. It's a, for a lack of better words, it's competition. I mean, right, for a lack of better words, I mean, when you're looking at growing a city, you know, where where are the benefits? Where is it? Do I have essentially everything that me and my family need, or not? And if I can go somewhere where I have jobs and a growing community, a thriving community, a diverse community, and not just diverse as far as population is concerned, but diverse in the type of jobs. Um, I think that it, opting into this allows another avenue of industry, allows another avenue within the job creation realm, as opposed to traditional factory type work that we've seen and seem to be the only type of work as a city we pursue. You know, I think that's been one of our down, uh, you know, one, one of the downsides and one of the detriments is that we tend to, as a city here in Olean, pursue that traditional mindset and factory work and as opposed to what's growing and what's the future. Um, you know, you, you got to look at something that's going to sustain 5, 10, 20, 25, 30 years down the road as opposed to, you know, let's just, you know, figure out the now. And that's what put us in the situation with Siemens. We just thought about the now instead of using some foresight. Um, you know, like, like I was saying earlier, for, for minorities, for veterans, I'm curious, are there, there avenues or ways to, to get involved um, or programs designed specifically for those communities to get involved in this process? Because I think a lot of times what happens when something like this tends to come to the forefront, disenfranchised groups of individuals, minorities, they still end up on the back burner. Even though it's, it's the, oh yeah, you'll have this opportunity, but really the opportunity, the requirements to, to reach the carrot just aren't there, you know? No, we definitely, we wrote, you know, um, yes, the state wrote in specifically into the MRTA, the Marijuana Regulation Taxation Act that passed, that social equity applicants would have those opportunities in a certain percent. I was trying to look it up um, for us, but, um, you know, let's say here we go. Um, establishes a goal of 50% of cannabis business licenses will be for social equity applicants in New York State. And we have so many different categories for these licenses as well. Okay. So there's everything from nursery to the, you know, to the growing, to the cultivation. Then we have micro, very, you know, small business license. So you don't have okay. to have the $2 million, you know, dollars to go in there and have this huge dispensary or grow facility or, you know, and such. So it's definitely for uh, even delivery. You can get licenses for delivery, consumption lounges, um, 
definitely geared for people who don't have that huge, large amounts of capital since we can't go and borrow from a bank right now because of the federal laws. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, specifically written in there to help uh, try to come out of that gray and legacy area into the into the market where you can be on the uh, on the on the other side. And I'd love to back up real quick and explain to your neighbors and only in what they are opting in and opting out of. Uh, do they realize that the only thing that a town or a city can opt out of is a consumption lounge or a dispensary? You cannot stop people from you know consuming cannabis. You can't stop mm-hmm. all the ancillary businesses. You can't stop uh, them from growing. You cannot take that right away. And we have that law now mm-hmm. for New York State. We're not allowed to just yet, but we can have up to six plants, three immature and three uh, mature plants per adult in a home, maximum 12. <laughs> um, but that you cannot stop that from happening. So what mm-hmm. you are opting out of is that, that protection and that revenue. 20% of the revenue goes to drug treatment, prevention, and education. And we're talking, no, marijuana isn't the addictive drug. It isn't where people have an issue. It's not a gateway drug. We've seen so many people come off of hard drugs using cannabis. We've seen so many people stop, you know, using alcohol who were alcoholics and had issues. And, of course, the opiate problem. But those hard drugs that are out there, we've got 20% of this money is going to be invested and put back into drug treatment for the people. Those aren't criminals. We really need to decriminalize drugs in a sense that that's an illness. That's something we have a health issue with. That's, you know, a, mm-hmm. a policy that we need to work on too. That you, aren't, you are not a criminal just because you have a, a substance abuse problem. Yeah, that, yeah I, I think that... No, definitely, and and I I definitely think that um a lot of times when individuals go that route and and I've done work with the uh, organization Teen Challenge when I was in Florida I was uh, loosely involved with them and and just speaking to the uh, the men and women that went through that program um, just talking to them a lot of times we we tend to we don't treat people or teach people how to deal with the root cause. And because they can't deal with the root cause, that's when they branch out to all these other avenues to kind of alleviate whatever, whatever that may be or whatever that issue may be. And if we can filter this money into some solid treatment instead of continuing to put Band-Aids on people, I mean, this is why people end up, you know, going back into situations and relapsing because they get back to that place that they, they can't handle that, that root cause that was never dealt with and it starts the process all over again. And then yeah. we look at them and, and, and demonize them and criminalize them and it's just an individual that needs help dealing with a situation. And, um, you know, like you said, we're just opting in and out of whether or not that dispensary is there, whether or not, you know, I mean, yeah. the money's going to go somewhere and, you know, it might as well come here. Um, you know, honestly, and, and if you can filter it back into the community, the positives that can come of that, I, I think, are, are extremely important. Uh, where uh, can people look to see those categories you were talking about in references to the licenses, the various business licenses and micro licenses, that type of thing? So there's a website that is up, um, and it, it is the Office of Cannabis Management for New York State, and I'm sorry, I don't have it memorized, but Fair it's enough. Um, we can drop that link later or such. If 
you go on there, the MRTA is listed, and you can read it for yourself, the actual legislation, and you can see, you know, you're going to have to do some digging and, and reading or, mm -hmm. you know, message us, and, and we can get you a simplified version so you can see that. But we don't have the specifics yet, okay. and those licenses are not available, you know, for, you know, I can't tell you how much they're going to cost. Right. I can't tell you how to apply yet. That's what we're waiting for with this establishment of this Office of Cannabis uh, Management to be set up and its advisory board. And that's kind of what the mess we're in right now in New York. Okay, okay. So with, you know, I know, um, you know, Ty and I had talked and, and some different things that we've discussed kind of in the background, but what are some other things that we still need to worry about or think about as far as the legislation is concerned? Well, right off the bat, that Office of Cannabis yeah. Management, um, we need individuals seated at that table who represent our communities, not just a bunch of, I'm sorry to say it, but white males. <laughs> Um, you know, politicians or such that have right. never had hands-on, don't have education in the industry, don't know about the plant as well. Mm -hmm. Yes, you need, of course, administrative duties are, you know, and uh, how things work and regulations, policies. But we need to make sure that we get people in there who can represent because these are going to be the people, okay, so we have a law that says you can grow a plant, but we don't know where you can grow it. Does it have to be locked behind a fence? Can it be visible from the road? Can it be outdoors or does it have to be inside? Uh, is there all these regulations that we could have this so tightly woven with regulations if somebody got in there mm -hmm. and tried to kind of sabotage this? Uh, you know, they could come up with, you have to have inspections in your house. You have to have our electrician come in. You have to pay a fee for a license. You, they could be forcing people right back into a situation of, doing things illegally, which um, may or may not have criminal repercussions again, and we could be targeting the same neighborhoods in the black and brown community that we're trying to help. Because this, again, this whole legislation in New York State, this is not about your access. This is about criminal reform and stopping the racism that we have. It's blatant, it's there, and you cannot deny it. We have the numbers to show it. Right. So, you know, people are being targeted, and that's what this is about. This is about criminal justice reform. In, in your, your time being involved, have you, have you seen that? You mentioned kind of sabotaging it in so many details. And have you, have you kind of seen that type of mindset from some individuals um, during your time of being involved? Yes. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, that's what we saw even happen with the medical program in, in the okay. state. Oh yeah, you. We have it, but we're going to make it so difficult to use and so ugly, you know, that, that you're really not wanting to use it. So I mean, having a medical uh, cannabis program, medical medical marijuana, and not having the flower available. I mean, you need to meet people where they're at. Mm -hmm. This plant has been around. All these people have been self-medicating, right? All right. Somebody like me, I was in my 40s. I had not. Um, most people, you know, will say are veterans. They are very well known for treating their PTSD mm -hmm. um, and chronic pain by smoking, right? That's what they know. That's what's easy. That's what's simple. And it works. So New York State creates a program. Here's medical cannabis, but you can't smoke it. You need to meet people where they're at. Have I learned that there are better ways 
to medicate? Yeah. Okay, great. Once they get in the program, then we can present to them. Hey, have you ever heard of a tabletop vaporizer? It might be better on your lungs for you. Mm -hmm. Hey, have you ever gotten to try a tincture uh, with different ratios? You know, we can help you find other ways that, that may be more beneficial during the day. Mm -hmm. you know, so we need to meet our community and our individuals where they're at instead of just forcing something down their throat so that you can look good in politics. Right, and and I think I think that's 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 a lot of of kind of what I've seen. You either have people that are a hundred percent like no because it's it's the the big green bad guy, you know it's it's you know, you smoke it you're gonna do all these terrible things, and then you have the other side that's like um, you know yeah okay let's go ahead and see it, but they got to jump through all these hoops, you know and and almost causing more problems than what were there. And like you said, it's not about access. People are gonna go get what they want. It doesn't matter if it's with marijuana, it doesn't matter if it's alcohol, it doesn't matter if it, you know, I mean, ultimately, if I see something that I want in somebody's house, there's plenty of people that have made the decision that that's more important to me, so I'm going to go ahead and break in the house and take it. You know, it ultimately isn't about the access. If I want it, I can find a way to go get it, but can I regulate it? Can I make it safe? Can I create an atmosphere where it's positive and where people are actually productive within what is taking place, uh, you know, I, I think that's a big thing. And again, I think it falls back on, on education. I think a lot of people, like you said, a lot of people that are even sitting at the table talking about the legislation don't have a clue. They're relying on what they saw, you know, in, in 1983 or, you know, just say no to drugs, you know, that, that lovely campaign. And, um, you know, working off of information that's not even valid and, right. and not even taking the time to talk to people that have the experience. And like you said, various ways. It's not just about, hey, I'm going to go smoke. And I think a lot of people are missing that, you know. I think there's more to I, it than that. I could tell you when um, I got in my car accident, broke my neck, uh, they wanted me to take all these opioids. And I refused because I see what it does to everybody. And I was taking, like, ibuprofen 800s. And my doctor said, Ty, you can't be, you can't keep doing this. Like, after I did, she, I took them for about two or three years, and she was like, you just can't keep doing this. It's going to mess your body up. Like, you need to think about either going to the pills or doing something different. And I said, well, what about the marijuana program? Can I, can, would you put me into that? And she didn't even hesitate. She signed the paper. She said that she thought I would never ask. Wow. So she signed the paper for me. I went up to debt and the rest is history. But I will tell you, like she was saying, sometimes, at least for me, you know, mine's a lot about nerve damage and swelling and stuff. So for me, what works is a tincture and smoke. So, like, if I would have never had that tincture, it, my life would be my life would be totally different. Mm. Me getting out here and walking the neighborhood with you, that would never happen. Couldn't do it. Right. But because of the tincture, I'm, I, I can do it. So there, that it, it's very important, like she said, to be able to meet the people where they need to be met. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that, you know, you have a lot of, there's a lot of medical conditions that 
there's really there's no there's no cure for like CTE for for example and, and to simplify CTE the concussion disease um, you know the a lot of athletes um, you know have experienced and, and veterans have experienced there's no there's no real cure and so it's you know let's let's kind of treat symptoms and work with them the best that we can and you know or people that um, you know are in an amount of pain I mean we joke you mentioned Motrin when I was in the army we called it vitamin M they gave it to you for everything you know, you know, you got you got a migraine, take some Motrin, drink water, suck it up, drive on. You got a you know a chest wound, take some Motrin, drink water, suck it up, drive on. You broke your leg and the bone sticking out your, the side of your, your thigh, take Motrin, drink water, suck it up, drive on. And you know, I was just talking to somebody earlier. Like in order for Motrin to actually have an effect on like some of the migraines that I struggle with, if I'm if I'm talking Motrin or some of the other issues, the physical issues that I have as far as pains related, you know, you're talking 32 to 4,000 milligrams of Motrin before it touches anything. You know, and I might as well take my liver and throw it out the window. Right. You know, type of thing. Or individuals that have experienced COVID have you know and contracted COVID have been told not to take Motrin because it could affect their kidneys it could affect you know all these different things and so we have another avenue but because people are running off of second and third and fourth hand information we're missing an opportunity to just help people I mean aside from the economic standpoint just to help people from a health standpoint and then you throw the economic caveat on top of it and you know it takes it to another level um, you know now with when we're able to start growing when all that's figured out and you're able to start growing how long do you think until we start seeing the stores pop up from my understanding right the stores won't be until like 2022 or 2020 2020 the end of 2022 the stores closer to 2023 uh, my understanding is we'll be able to grow probably like well, at least people with medical cards will be able to grow in probably like September, October-ish area. But, again, that all depends. Like, everything we're talking about that right, with that mm -hmm. depends on the cannabis management, you know. Like, right. they have to get together. They have to form. They, they'll put more regulation in around everything. Well, I certainly hope that they don't wait as long as uh, our city waited to put a police reform committee together. Uh, you know, I, I definitely hope that, uh, you know, they're a little more proactive as far as that's concerned. Um, you know, that's definitely, uh, I mean, it's it's exciting. It, it is for, you know, like I've grown up in the church, you know, I, I, I work in the ministry. And so there is a stigma um, attached to marijuana, uh, alcohol. And, and a lot of times these stigmas are really just dogmatic tradition that's just been taught from one person to the next it's not even based off real information or or as far as scripture is concerned from my faith perspective you know so i i just i keep going back to getting educated getting educated getting educated getting involved ask the questions you know if you've got a question about it ask the question where where can we go to get educated like on our own just just hey i'm at the house i want some information you know, I've got these questions. Who do I reach out to that, that will listen and help? That website is all you got right now. Okay. Unless you want, like she said, you can reach out to us. There are, there, like normal is out. They have people that will, that they have things all the time. You, I share them. 
uh, that I have. They have attorneys that come out and talk, people that are in the industry that talk. Very informative. Um, we'll be trying to get more of them to come on and have, to, you know, educate. We are going to try to educate the community as much as much as possible. That that is the number one goal. I I want to make sure that our community knows and there is no uh, like we said last night. Be well informed on what you're voting on. Mm-hmm. So we want to make sure that the council is well informed. We don't want them going on no, you know something that they heard, some rumors or anything, we want no facts. We want the community no facts. We want everybody to be comfortable. Yeah, it's it's time to open the conversation and, and stop being so afraid to talk about it, you know. And, right. and uh, you know, it's still awkward for me. I still have to not tell my a lot of my doctors, you know, or fear what they're going to, how they're going to look, you know, you know the look, mm-hmm. you know, when you tell, oh, you're one of those, those patients. Um, you know, it's just not right. But yeah, getting a hold of us, E S N O R M L, E S Normal. That org is is the New York State, the Empire State uh, website, and there's lots of research on there and blogs, and they're constantly putting out, uh, you know, new content, and then we share that around, and we're all over Facebook, and then there's little, you know, smaller chapters of us that are putting out education and news. Um, but really, you will not find anything from the state. Even they actually wrote that in their legislation in the beginning that it would be like promoting it if they were to educate much. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be one of the biggest pluses too with this legislation. You know, with this with the new legalization, we can talk about this. Let's start getting some money into education, and that is planned. But you know, they don't even know what they're doing yet. So you know, it's really hard. It's hard mm-hmm. for us that information out everybody's on facebook really you right. know we have groups just smaller groups and okay. i can't wait to work with ty so you said uh esnormal.org yeah okay all, all right i'm just gonna put that will say is assemblywoman stokes and mrs may there's there's people that are involved that are really really trying to make sure that things go right they don't want to just throw it together i know people will get upset about that but New York is trying to do it right. They're trying mm-hmm. to get it to, to be the best, some of the best legislation in the country. We're trying to get it right. You know? And I think that's important. I think I think it's important that people realize that, you know, like we mentioned last night at the council meeting, it's real easy to be excited and have courage about something that may or may not take place. It's much different to get in there and put your hands to the plow and start really working on things. And if we want it done right, and if we want to make sure that all these positives we talk about take place, it's going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight. It's it's not, you know, let's just roll the dice and, and throw the lots and see where they lay. You know, it's it's going to take it's going to take much more than that. Now, I am going to put both of you on the spot, um, so I apologize, but not really. Um, so with with that being said, talking about educating and getting involved and getting the conversation started with the community, would either of you be open to doing more? Because this is obviously a one-sided conversation with just the three of us, uh, you know, more more that podcast-type environment. But would you be open to more of a question-answer, um, interactive-type of approach um, to, to discuss and open the conversation up for the community? Most definitely. Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay. Well, that is definitely something that I, I would like to move move towards. Um, you know, in the future, uh, definitely, I think that, um, and as often, as often as we can, and with as many various, uh, you know, individuals or subject matter experts 
Um, I, I think it is important. I, I think it's important to, to educate and to make sure that we understand the process. So even when we start reaching out to our legislators, we know what we're talking about. And we're not just saying, hey, make it legal, let us do this. Uh, you know, there's more to it behind that. Um, with, with that being said, um, you know, Ty, do you have anything else for us before we kind of kind of wrap it up? And, and I, I would say uh, do contact your legislator. Let them know what you're what you're interested in. Let them know that they need to have you know real people from our communities that are on that board, not just some bureaucrats. That's it's not going to work if that's what they do. We need people that are straight from the community. One of the biggest things that I'm worried about is you hear in, out here in Western New York, you know, you hear all the time that we get the bad end of the stick because we don't have people that really fight for us in New right. York City you're a bunch of bullies and they take everything <laughs> that we're supposed to get well we don't want that happening with this so the best thing to do is to call your legislators your assemblymen your senators and you let them know like we want people from western New York communities on the board mm. definitely Miss Hamilton um yeah, your voice does matter. Don't think that it doesn't. And keep calling, keep writing. We've got um, letters on that are pre-written, add your address in, and it pulls up who your assembly person and senator is for your district. You know, get to know these things. Uh, I'll help you through it. You know, uh, give me give me a call, message me. I mean, that's, I'm an educator, so that's what I do. Um, and to empower others, that's Michael, let's empower each other to move forward. Fantastic. Well, I, I, since I know we could keep talking and, you know, probably just for hours, honestly. Um, but uh, I definitely appreciate both of y'all's time. I hope you'd be open to coming back and doing this again, like we said, and even, um, you know, and, and more of an interactive um, type of environment as well. But I, I definitely appreciate you both for joining us. Thank you so much. And, um, you know, again, I want to encourage individuals out there uh, to, to get involved, whether you're, you know, I know Olean isn't the only place that listens to or watches the podcast, but, you know, get involved for your community, get involved for your state, get involved, um, you know, with what's going on. And, and for those of us in Olean, you know, we really want to move towards more of a progressive and positive and growth type of thought process and avenue and atmosphere and really bring and generate some diversity to the city instead of the last eight years of negativity, then, you know, this is definitely something that, that we need to pursue and you need to make sure that, you know, we are educated so we can continue to educate our leadership. And if, if they're not going to lead, if they're just going to hop in the car, then we need to go ahead and get behind the wheel and help them out. And uh, so that's, that's, that's where I'm at with it. I, again, I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Those of you that are watching, thank you very much. And uh, we will catch you next time on Reflections. Y'all pray for me. I'll pray for you. Y'all have a good night. And the live is done. Thank well, you again. Yeah, yeah, thank you very much. Oh, thank oh. you. Yeah, you're right. We could just keep on going. So. <laughs>